This particular video is taken out of uh, a story that we're not going to talk about today. We're talking about the same principles behind it, but we're not going to talk about Peter and walking on water with Jesus today. But I wanted you to hear this video because I looked through several. And in that video, if you heard it, Peter, in the middle of, of that video, he said this. In the beginning of the video, they says, the disciples talk and they said, Jesus wants to meet us on the other side. And through the middle of the storm, and everybody's probably getting on to Peter because Peter says, hey, it's time to go. We got to go and the storm's coming in. But Peter says this. He says, he told us to cross. He didn't say maybe. See, that, that's, that's, what, that's what we like to play. We like to play that maybe word. We like to play that, no, maybe God, you didn't, you didn't call me to that. Today's pretty, a, a pretty special day for me. And I say that with the utmost humility. I said a couple weeks ago, if you want to hear, if you want to know if God has a sense of humor, if you want to hear him laugh, just tell him your plans. Right, tell him what you think. This is a book we're going to get into today that I have a whole lot of reverence for. And it's, wow. If you get into it and you study it, there's a whole lot here. So I have some words before we get into it, but it's with the utmost humility that I say, please turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 3. Peter in the video said he wanted us to cross on the other side. He tells the other disciples, these are guys that spent three and a half years walking with Jesus, okay? They know him, they know him intimately. And they're going across this sea, what a storm in life. And right about the middle is when sometimes we, it's where the rubber meets the road. Are we going to completely go through with this? Are we going to trust God and he has that plan for us? Are we going to, uh, I'm going to go back to my own understanding. I know I can get back to the shore safely. Peter was fixed on the fact that Jesus had told him he wanted him and the other disciples to go to the other side. It wasn't go to the middle and go fish. It wasn't go around the perimeter and, 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 just, and play it safe. It was, I want you to go across. I want you to go across. Trust me. No matter what the storm is, no matter what the waves, no matter the depths of the water, he sought one thing when he talked to his disciples. He, he's literally telling these guys, he says, I want you to trust me. That's it. Just trust me. Just trust me. And there's many people in here. We could, we could talk for hours and hours and hours. And you could give me story after story about, you know, man, I didn't, this, this person in my family was sick. Or this, this financial situation happened. Or I lost a job. And, and it would have been really easy to not trust God. But those same people would probably come to me and say, you know, when I couldn't do anything else except trust God is when He really was allowed, when I really allowed Him, when I allowed myself to open up, He was really allowed to influence my life. Have you ever been afraid of jumping into a pool? My grandmother, I have one grandmother living, and she doesn't swim. She doesn't like water. She doesn't swim. My sister and I, we had passes to the, to the swimming pool in Albion, Illinois, uh, most, most of the, every summer growing up. I love to swim. But being at the pool all the time, I saw a couple things. There were some kids that were 
scared to jump in. Or the most embarrassing thing, maybe, is watching somebody climb all the way up to the top of the high dive, and they walk all the way out to the edge, and they get about right here, and they can't do it. And, you, and, they, and they, it's, almost, it's almost with shame on their face they turn around. And they have to climb all the way back down a ladder. And there's people waiting in line so they don't make it any easier on them. Hey, come on, man, just jump. You know, we could, we could say that. We could say that in humor. Yeah, I saw that growing up. Yeah, you probably saw something like that. But you, your life and my life are exactly like this. Instead of jumping into pools, we come... This is what we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna say, that the challenges in this life, the things that we come across in this life are not going to be pools. Or the things that we come up to in life, these are going to be rivers. Because the river has a significant, a significant, significant, significance in Joshua chapter 3. It's a big deal. We're talking about the Jordan River. So these things in our life that come up, we're going to compare them to rivers this morning. Oftentimes we're going through life and we're whistling. Da, 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 da. Everything's good. And all of a sudden, you ever... You ever go down, if you, if you, do, if you do any fishing in the, in the bottoms of Wayne County, or if you go anywhere, you try to go anywhere, like last February and March when all that snow melted. We tried to get to a couple woods that we can hunt. There's no way we could get to it, except by boat. We couldn't do it in a truck. I remember we came over, we came over a hill and went, ooh, water. Not just water, it's like, water. And it was just, we, we had to turn around. We couldn't, we couldn't go through. But oftentimes we're driving along in that vehicle of life and everything's going good and we come up over a hill and boom, there's a roadblock, there's water, there's things in our way. Oh, we, get, we may get out of the truck even. We may look at that river. You know, now I know none of you, none of us in here that have, that have four-wheel drive trucks would ever think about this, but you would think this. You think about your life the same way you think about your truck. You know, that water's really not deep. I just got that new lift kit. We're going to see how we can do this. Some of, some, of the, some of my funniest memories, hanging out with friends, often famous last words was, hey guys, watch this. <laughs> You're laughing because you understand. <laughs> hey guys, watch this. See, we, we want to look at this life, we say, you know what, I, well, I've been, I've been, uh, I've been, I'm going to soup it up my, my vehicle for this life, maybe I can get across this water, and you know, you know that you can't get across it on your own. And the bad thing is we're sitting here and we see this water in front of us and this problem in our life and we know exactly how to get on the other side but we choose not to. We know where the instructions are. Okay? We have the manual. Okay? We understand that God can get us over that, through it, underneath, around it. He can make it go away. Okay, God can do anything He wants but if He says cross it, listen to me. Some of you are standing in that vehicle in life this morning and you're up at that... You're up at that river and you're going, there's no way. God is asking you today. He says, if I'm telling you, you're going to go across, you're going to go across. It's going to happen. But this is the only way it's going to happen. You have to trust me. That's it. Lean not on your own understanding. Okay, we're, we're supposed, that's what the Bible says. Get away from the way that you think and allow God to transform you by doing what? Transforming the way that you think. Changes into a new person. I wonder if we've ever experienced anything 
like Joshua will in, in chapter 3. See, here, here's the deal. Joshua was able to do the things that we're going to talk about today. And I have to preface this before we get into the Scripture because you have to know how he would react. Joshua grew up and he learned from in Jewish world. Listen, at this time, Moses was the man. He wrote the Mosaic Law. It's what they followed. This, at this point in Scripture, in Joshua chapter 3, the last, end, the last chapter of Deuteronomy, then you move into Joshua, in the last chapter of Deuteronomy, Moses dies. Here's a, here's a trick question. Where's Moses buried? Okay, if you read, if this is some reading for this week. If you want to backtrack the last chapter of Deuteronomy, it says God buried him. That's like the ultimate geocaching site right there. Yeah, you like got to find those sites and you know find the yeah. Good luck. But it said God, God buried him in, De- in the last chapter of Deuteronomy. Now all of a sudden, Joshua has inherited literally leading millions, over a million Jews. Now the reason he's able to think like this is because this. He was raised up underneath Moses. Moses was his mentor. He taught him. He taught him. He said, you know. Early in life, Joshua probably came to a little bit of stream challenge in life. And he goes, you know, this is how we do it. We ask God to help us get through it. And he, and he would help him through it. And there would be a little bit bigger river spiritually in his life. And Moses would say, well, you have to trust God. You know, and there may have been some times where Joshua tried to cross and he got his boots wet. And maybe, maybe we understand what that's like to get our boots wet. We drag our feet. You know, the, I, heard, I heard somebody say something very, very correct. It's humorous. It's very correct, though. We all, we all may be familiar with the, the, the poem Footprints. The, the guy looks back on his life and says, God, there's only one set of footprints. Well, in this one, the guy says, well, God, there's only one set of footprints and there's a straight line through the sand. He goes, that's where I drug you. Oftentimes, we, we, we mm-mm, 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 I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. Listen, you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you don't have, we don't get like days off. We don't say, oh, hey, uh, today, now we can take him. We can take him. Last chapter, Deuteronomy, Moses dies. Joshua is the new leader. Responsibility overload. Not only is he leading the Israelites, they are getting ready to go where? To the promised land. To conquer a land that God has given them. No pressure. It would be like this. Um, all of a sudden, I name you whoever you are, the manager of the San Francisco Giants. No pressure, but they won the World Series last year, this year. No pressure. Okay, Moses had taken these people through a whole bunch of storms, a whole bunch of loneliness, a whole bunch of time in the desert. He's seen a generation die off. And all of a sudden, they're here. And I can't imagine what that conversation was like. He probably said, Joshua, I'm getting ready to die. This is all yours. I can only imagine they probably heard three words. Joshua, be the leader. Do it. Go. What do you think is going through Joshua's head? I mean, seriously, he's lost it all. He's like, man, he could, he, he, if there was anybody that had an excuse to not lead, to, if there was anybody that had an excuse not to do it, not to cross, it would probably be him. He lost the most influential figure in Jewish religion 
thus far as his mentor. Just lost him. He says, hey, it's your time to lead. Now he was the leader with the role comes the good, the bad, and the challenging, let alone the ugly. It is often when we find the challenging and the hard times that we do this. God, you know, are you, are you sure that this is the right river for me to cross? Because this one's a lot smaller. Are you sure? We question him, don't we? We question him. We say, no, God, this river, seriously, I know you're God, but this river, this is just too much. This is too much. I would imagine Joshua thought this. Why me? Why couldn't it have been somebody else? Why couldn't I have just been a regular, a regular Israelite and, and a Jew and just, why couldn't it just be somebody else lead? God equips his people to do every good work individually. Everybody has their puzzle piece. Joshua's puzzle piece might have been a little bit bigger than everybody else's. But he still had to put it in the puzzle with everyone else's. One of the greatest challenges facing leaders today, this is what Connection strives to do with our leaders. One of the biggest challenges for leaders is to try to replace themselves. No, they're not going to be carbon copies, but to pass on information. I talked with a guy today. I got a, I got a new to me vehicle. Thank you, Jesus and Dave Ramsey. Okay? He's awesome. Both of them. But I, I got to talking about a, a how to fix something if it ever went wrong. My response is, I can hit a baseball over a fence. I have no idea what to do with this and this and this. And this. I can't even spell that, probably. Like engines, I'm okay. I can break them. <laughs> I can cause them to not work. But putting them back together, you know, that's a hard. I can take something apart. Just putting them back together is the whole problem. God did not allow Moses to go into the promised land, but he had brought them so close. Moses had brought them right here. And he said, okay, Joshua, there it is. Take them. Be the leader. Joshua was probably scared, undoubtedly. If you want to look at Joshua's life and understand something, in chapter 3 he's going to come to a physical river today. In the chapter. But if you want to look in prior, in Joshua's life prior, how did he know that when he walked up to this river that God would protect him? Joshua was enslaved by the Egyptians. And God had used Moses and provided the Exodus out. He had seen those rivers. Watch this. He hadn't seen a river part. What did he see? He saw a sea part. This is, the, this is the thing. Some of us have literally seen oceans split wide open spiritually. And, 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 we, and we walk by people every day that come up to these streams. We may be a more mature follower of Christ and we say, listen, you walk beside that person and say, listen, I understand that you're scared, but you have to know how good God is. Because I remember this time when this and this. See, Joshua had crossed Streams and rivers before. And seas before. God had protected him. When Joshua faced trials, he knew where to turn. Now, here's the thing. 
Oftentimes, we know exactly where to turn. What do we do? We don't turn. I want to do it my way. I like doing it my way. It's comfortable. That's what I'm going to do. If you have your Bibles with me, with you, Joshua chapter 3, verse 1, on the screen. If you have your Bible. Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. Why, do we, why, do we, why are we told this? Because you can go to this place. Everybody says, I don't, I, don't want, I don't want to believe the Bible because it's not true. Here's the deal. This gives exact coordinates. Exact coordinates to where they were. Verse 2. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp. See, they camped for three days. Why? They needed to. They had just lost a leader, okay? They're, they're recovering. They're mourning. They're grieving. Three days. Verse 3. Giving these instructions to the people. This is the officers going through the camp. When you see the Levitical priest. Now, Levitical priest. A huge, big word. Okay, big word. Levitical priest. Here it is. The tribe out of the 12 tribes of Israel, the priests of the Levites were the only people on earth that could touch the Ark of the Covenant and carry it. That's it. Anybody? Indiana Jones movies did not have it all together right. But when the wrong people touched the Ark of the Covenant, what did they do? They died. When somebody saw the brilliance of the inside, they died. Anybody except these people touches it, they, they die. The Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God move out from your positions and follow them. Verse 4. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Do you remember what we just said? Some of us are mature followers of Christ or more mature than some other people and we've come across these things in our life and our streams, our, our challenges may be getting a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. When, and when God has helped us cross those, this is the time. You've never been here before. You've never been here before. You have. This person hasn't. At Connection, we seek to mentor other people. We impact individuals impacting individuals. We disciple. We mentor. We grow. We memorize scripture. I mentored with a guy. I have, I have been a Christian longer than him. I'm only 34 years old. I've been a Christian, a follower of Christ, longer than he had. But he taught me so much about life. He said, Matt, if you come to this, I remember, I remember he would... I would teach him something, and then he would come to me, and he's like, man, you know what? He said, when I experienced this in my life, I was able to do this. I was able to trust God. And he walked beside me as I walked beside him. That's what these people are doing. Joshua says, listen, you've never been here before. They will guide you. You You want to talk about respect. Here you go. Stay about a half a mile behind them. Don't get too close. <laughs> you know how far that is? That's 800 meters. That's a long way. Keeping a clear distance between you and the ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Verse 5, Joshua told the people, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. The people would purify themselves. 
They would make sacrifices. They would ask forgiveness for their sin. They would be as clean as they could. Because they didn't, why? Because they didn't want to hinder God working tomorrow. They didn't want to hinder, they didn't want to get in the way. There's enough respect for this Ark of the Covenant, they had to stay a half a mile behind. Hmm. They were leaving in three days. He's very specific here. He had told them exactly what to do. See, exactness. Exactness. God sometimes comes. I, I, this, is, this, is, this is no joke. I've talked to two different people that are sitting in this room today. And they, I, we talked with them earlier in the week. And they approached me about something. And I encouraged them. I said, if you can make Sunday. It's not about me. Listen, it's all about God and, and the scripture. But if you can make Sunday, the issue of trust was there. And they, they came to me. Talk about affirmation and God is who he is. Yeah, God's not confusing. This morning I woke up, I came here, I talked to someone else, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I wasn't. I had told God my plans. God, I don't want to get in the book of Joshua for five years. <laughs> Mm-mm. That's a tough one. Look at your worship handout. If you have your worship handout, they're always out here on the table. You probably got handed one. It's a green piece of paper today. In there, you're going to find some blanks. You open up the middle thing, you're going to see some blanks in it. This is the first, this is the first blank. God's timing is always perfect. I know, sometimes we think he's late. You know what? Within the past six months of my life, I thought he was way early. This is not right. This is wrong. God, you're interrupting my plans. Do you get what I'm saying? I can't, all, of a, all of a sudden, I thought that I had this, this straight stretch of road that I was to go on. All of a sudden, it's like I went to sleep one night. I woke up and there's these giant hills. I come over a hill and there's just this water. See, God, God is not late, and God, sometimes, sometimes, I thought he was way early. See, I thought he was early. God's timing is always perfect. How do we know that? We're shown this. We're shown that he's perfect. How is God's timing perfect? Two weeks. Two weeks. The 13th of September. Of 2007, two weeks, I interviewed for a job that I did not get. I was highly upset. The job that I interviewed for was going to be for a head baseball coaching job at a university. A small one, but a university. Full time. I was going to be able to get my master's, watch this, my master's for free. Because I coached there. And I'm thinking, oh, this is awesome. This is good. I dig baseball. We're good. This is okay. This is great. He called me and said, we're going to pick somebody else. What? It was three days after that that I found out that there was this new church that was starting in Mount Vernon called Connection. See, in my disappointment, I'm like, God, seriously, Seriously, I can't even get to the water because there's a roadblock there. He's I don't want you to go that way. You go the way that I want you to do. When you come up to water, you leave that to me. But you have to trust me. Don't try to swim across it, dude. The current will get you. Don't try to drive across it. I don't care how mean your tires are in your truck. 
Don't try to float across it. I don't care what kind of outboard engine you have on your boat. You have to trust me. I'm the only way across it. Look on the screen, Joshua chapter 3, verse 13, if you have it with you in your Bible. Joshua 3, 13. The priest will carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. As soon... <laughs> you ever think that God has this great big TV screen in heaven, and you can like TiVo, he's got everything TiVo'd? I want to see the Red Sea get parted back. I want to see this happen. I would love to, I would love to see this. It says, watch this. It says... The Lord of all the earth, as soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. See, this is how big my God is. My God, Joshua doesn't come to this thing and there's, like, there's a tugboat on the side. He says, hey, everybody get on, let's go. He goes, no, 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 no. I'm, 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 I'm bigger than that. I'm just going to make the water go away. I'm just going to make it go away. And that is not the most impressive part of this yet to me. I'll show you that when I get it to you. Verse 14. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan. They were obedient. And the, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Do you think that this group of people understood what God could do with water? Their ancestors, the people in the generation before them, and before that, had come out of the Exodus, out of Egypt, and they had crossed the Red Sea. Do you think you might have heard that story if you're one of these kids growing up in the house? Oh, you remember? I imagine that's probably one of the most told stories of Jewish families. You remember? Oh, yeah, I remember. They don't even have to say what it's about. Oh, yeah, I remember. God made that, that sea just part. And he would tell, they would tell their kids, they would tell their kids... They would have already known, they would have already heard about what God can do. Verse 15, it was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. How many people have ever been on Route 15 between Fairfield and Albion? And you go over the, the Wabash River. Okay, if you are familiar with that part of the country, I'm going to tell you something and it's not lying. If three or more people at the same time, alright, maybe stretching the truth. If three or more people flush the toilet at the same time, the little Wabash gets out of its banks. It can, it can, it can be, rain can be in the forecast and it floods. Every year, every single year, the farmers have to replant that ground. If you know some, see somebody shaking their head, just, just ask them. It's true. Every year. So this is not normal river stage. This is not, now, in the middle of July, you might get this wet by the bridge walking across the river. Maybe. We used to hog catfish there. I know, some of you are now questioning my sanity. We used to catch catfish with our hands. Okay, stay with me. <laughs> but in the middle of July is when you wanted to because there was less water for those fish to go. So you'd get under there and you'd feel. Some of you are shaking your head. Maybe do that. Connection baptism will go hogging. <laughs> some people shaking their heads. Some people may not be back. Now, please listen. But in that spring flood stage, it can get out. I mean, acres and acres and acres and acres and acres of field are flooded. This is what, this is what he came up to. But the, it was harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as their feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, 
Verse 16, the water above that point began backing up at a great distance away. Watch this. Even the water had respect for God's presence. It backed up. Of a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed into the Dead Sea, into the riverbed. This is my favorite part. Until the riverbed was dry. You know what's under the three foot of water in the middle of July at the, at the Wabash River? I can tell you I've been in it. You know what's under that? Blue mud muck. It's nasty. It would take forever to dry out. So they walked across on dry land. Then the people crossed over, the, over near the town of Jericho. Specific. Verse 17, Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. Can you imagine that this is the Ark of the Covenant and you get to like walk by? Are you kidding me? There was probably a standstill. It was probably like traffic after a Cardinals game. You're not going to go anywhere. You get a million people crossing. Wow. I've never seen it this close. They waited until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Chapter 4, verse 1, When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Time to conquer the promised land? No. Time to go after it? No. If you looked at that video at the beginning of the sermon, there's two reasons why I picked it. Number one, Because Peter said we have to cross. Number two, this. God's plan when we cross a river is for us to keep our eyes on Him. When Peter didn't do it, he sank. He said, Jesus picked him up. You, dude of little faith. And he put him back in the boat. We want to get about halfway across and go, you know, we can still turn back. We can still get back safely. God's plan is for us to maintain focus. No. They weren't ready to go into the promised land. They were to thank God. They were to build a memorial. God did not want them going to do this task unprepared. Okay, It was all about having God specifically right here in their life. Verse 2 in chapter 4. Now choose 12 men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Right there. Right by them. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you'll camp tonight. Verse 4, So Joshua called together the twelve men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes. He told them, Go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it on your shoulder. We're not talking pebbles here. Probably rocks. Okay? Carry it on your shoulder. Twelve stones in all. One for each of the tribes, 12 tribes of Israel. Verse 6. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them. They remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. The only way the people of Israel crossed the river is because they listened to Joshua And the only reason that Joshua was able to lead him is because Joshua listened to God. There's a chain reaction here, but it all centers on trusting on God. 
When we listen to God and follow Him, there are things that He shows us. Some of you can talk to me about that. Well, I remember when I was having trouble trusting this. Somebody told me this this week. It's one, of the, one of the people that talked to me. They said, you know, it's not so, it's not, it's, I don't have the problem with being in the boat crossing the sea, going where Jesus wanted me to go. It's that whole getting out of it. Getting out of the comfort. Stepping outside. And that person told me this, this week, they said, they said, God is being really, really real with me because now it seems that my boat isn't even safe and it's sinking. So I have to trust Him. See, we want, we, we want to desperately trust God, but oftentimes He has to really get our attention. He has to really get it. I've been there. I've been there. Often, when we trust, there are people that are around us, are close to us, that can see God at work. You don't believe me? Maybe you've been going through something. Maybe God says, hey, maybe you should just go up and say hi to them. And you have no idea the week they've had. You've had no idea the trust that they've already had to do this week. And by you saying, hey, good morning, glad to see you. It gives us an opportunity to talk about our God. Look at your worship handout, the next blanks. It is an opportunity for God to demonstrate His power. The first point we make is God's timing is perfect. The second one, it's an opportunity. When we trust God, this is it. When the Israelites trusted God, this was their it was God's opportunity. It was an opportunity for God to demonstrate his power. What do you think it said about the people from 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 Israel? They trust in a God that can do this stuff. What do you think it said about Joshua? We can trust Joshua. Joshua somehow is connecting with God. We can trust him. This is okay. It's an opportunity for God to demonstrate. It wasn't about the people and it wasn't about Joshua. It was about God. And he said, I'm going to give you this. But before we get there, watch. You know, this is harvest season. Some of, the, some of the coolest sunsets that this part of the country gets to see over the cut cornfields. And they have been absolutely unbelievable the last couple of weeks. If you've seen them, the sunrise is beautiful. I know, some of you do not like the cold. But when we get a really hard frost, and then you get up on a clear morning and see the sun come up, just look. It looks like there's millions of diamonds everywhere. And it's like God saying, hey, this is just my opportunity to show you who I am. <laughs> oh, Matt, you like this when you drive? Yeah, I have to drive east to work. The sun comes up in the east. Thank goodness it's a little bit south now. But it's pretty rough. I got my, I got my visor down. I got my shades on. Okay, it's pretty tough. Even through that, God says, sometimes I just, I'm like, God, this is just unbelievable. And He says, This is just my opportunity to show you how good I am. And it's just, it's in frozen water on cut corn stalks. We're not even talking about things that happen in our life to His special creation. It's an opportunity for God to demonstrate His power. Think about this these opportunities for God to demonstrate His power only come. Only come through us being obedient and listening to Him. Some of you right now are sitting in your chair and you said, stop listening. I'm tired of hearing this. Matt's only 34 years old. He has nothing to say to me that I can even learn from. And God says, listen to me. You think Joshua had all the answers for over a million people? 
He said, Joshua, I want you to lead these people. Moses said, I want you to be the leader. Joshua probably says, please not me. How about 10 years? Give me 10 years. Some of us don't want to listen to this, but it's when you are obedient to God. And when you listen is when He can come in and He can do things that some of us in this room can say, absolutely not possible without my God. No way. No way. Too often we're only concerned about what we want to do. And then when the circumstance comes, when we really need God and we really need to cross that river, we don't step in, let alone try to cross. We're too busy playing the me game. Too busy. Too busy. God, I can't trust you right now. The game's on. I can't trust you right now. This, this, this hang-up's still in my life. I can't trust you right now. I don't need to work on that right now, God. Please get back to me in a couple, couple weeks, a couple years. When we struggle with this, I would, I would challenge to say this. If we, have a, if we have a problem, we probably haven't been raised up like Joshua. Here's the deal. That's okay. You want to read? We wrote some new bios for the website. One of the things that I, that, I, that I said in there is, Matt believes everybody has a past. Welcome to earth. You have a past. I don't care how bad that past is or how not so bad that past is. You have one. And the fact that to admit it, some of, us don't have, some of us don't have the past of being raised up like Joshua did. Some of us have had great parents, but spiritually, not there. Or maybe you didn't grow up in church, or maybe you did grow up in church, and there was people that put into your life, and you, you, you were taught at a young age, wow, I can trust God. Wow, I can trust God. And some of you can take a running jump and just pew. This is how God works. Some of us don't have that. Some of all of us have not been raised like Joshua was with and mentored like Moses. Here's the deal. There's opportunities for you to be mentored here. What's that? It's when one person meets with one person and we go over scripture and we memorize some scripture and we talk about the, how, how God is working in our life and we live life together. And oftentimes, in my experience, when I'm talking with someone, I can literally be sitting across from somebody and I'm like, my goodness, I understand exactly where you are. Or they can look at me and say, I understand exactly where you are. This is how God took me across this. This is how God took me across this. But some of us don't have time. And being, being mentored, being raised up, being taught is a big deal. Everybody has a past. But a connection, we don't care. We're not concerned with that. We are highly concerned in where you're going. Some of you have had past of anger and hurt and pain and grief and death and stuff that you've never dealt with. Joshua chapter 4 verse 20. It was there at Gilgal that Joshua piled up the 12 stones taken from the Jordan River. It's specific. Holy cow. This is GPS coordinates. There's some guys in here. There's some guys in here. They will not give them to you. 
But they know exactly where the best place is on any given day to catch crappie in Wren Lake. I know that. So we'll talk later. Me and you. There's the people that have a GPS on their, on their depth finder. They understand. They know exactly where it is. These people walked across the Jordan River. When their kids get grown up, they said, you, you remember this? Not only did God do this, but I can take you and I can show you exactly where He did it. I can take Emma and Lydia. Spiritually, through life and say, you know, this seems like it's a really big river right now. But I want to let you know that God is who He says that He is. And as a parent, along with my wife, we can help them, watch them, encourage them, and someday do this. And watch them trust. Watch them understand. Well, wow. See, that's how I desire to bring my girls up. I want them to be solid in believing God, knowing that they can believe God. Why? Because He's got me out of some stuff. I could have looked up from where I was and not seen light. Take them where it was. Verse 21, Then Joshua said to the Israelites, In the future your children will ask, What do these stones mean? You have a scar anywhere? On your hand? Or maybe a cut? You have kids around you? I have, I have one on my forehead. In the summertime you can really see it and you know, with the hair going away you'll see it you know, a lot soon. And but there's a four inch there's a four inch cut on my head. And I mess with some kids at school because I believe it's okay to have fun in school and I'm a teacher. Okay? You can, you can have fun. There's a place and time for it. And I can tell them some just ferocious stories like, you know, I've killed two black bears in Canada, but I was actually hunting a third one and I didn't quite get him dead. And he caught me. But I survived. Three days in the wilderness and I could do that, but I don't. Emma will come up to me and she goes, Dad, what happened? And I'll tell her the story. And she'll come to me and I have, I have a four-inch piece of metal in my arm with four screws. She said, Dad, what happened? And I can tell her, I said, Babe, I broke my arm. But if you know the story of my life, this is how God got my attention. This is a special one. This was when I was driving through life I had all kinds of blinders on and I was like, I can see the highway, I can see the highway, I can see the highway. And I didn't see the water until I hit it. God got my attention. When all I could do was trust God, guess what? You learn to trust God. Some people are like, well, that's, that's kind of harsh. That's kind of harsh to think of God that way. I'm glad that He did it that way with me. What do these stones mean? Verse 22, then you could tell them. This is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on, on dry ground. You remember that story? Tell it again, Dad. Well, the guys carrying the great big gold box got to the water, and as soon as they put their feet in, the water backs up. Tell it again. The guys with the gold box comes to the river. But I can only imagine what the enthusiasm of that parent would tell them. Remember that time in my life where this stuff was so wrong? And I said, God, I'm going to trust you. And I did. And what he did. 
how He grew your mom, how He grew me, what He was able to accomplish through us, with us. Verse 23, For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes. And He kept it dry until you were all across, just as He did at the sea. When He dried it all up, until we had all crossed over. He did this, watch this, so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord hand, Lord's hand is powerful, and so you might fear the Lord your God forever. You have any traditions? You have any special days? There's some, there's just some little quirky things that I do in a calendar year on a, on a certain day. My grandfather taught me how to hunt. He passed away. October 27th, he's passed away. That's bow season. If I can, I like to get out and just, and just hunt. I like to do that. It's just, a, it's just a thing. But it's probably the one time a year where I kind of remember him a lot. Some of us probably have those traditions, those days, special dates. We have these things, and they're to help us to remind us. To remind us. See, I don't just spend that day being, being all sad and everything. Yeah, I'm sad. I'm going to get to see my grandpa again. See, this is, the, this is the joy. Because my grandpa is in company that I read about in this book. I can't wait to see him. I've got some living to do here, though. I've got some time to serve God here. But it's in those, in those days where I learn and I, and I recognize and I, and I thank God. God, thank you for having a godly grandpa that put the Bible before baseball. He put the Bible before hunting. He taught me things that I never even knew that I knew that he had taught me until after, far after he passed away. See, these are the things that these people are going to get to do. Are we taking the time to tell our kids what God has done in our life? This morning we came in. My little girl, littlest girl, Lydia, is sick this morning. My wife has stayed home with her. I hope it doesn't affect all of us. <laughs> but she's sick. She didn't feel good. And Emma and I came. And, she, and we were riding t- here today in the truck. And she goes, do we get to unlock the doors? I said, yeah, let me unlock the doors and I'll do the alarm. And, and then we'll, and we'll get some stuff ready before anybody gets here. Oh, oh, cool. Now, to some of you, this is not going to mean anything. But I took out of my wallet our tithe check. I said, Emma, you want to give God our money? She walks over. I'd love to, Dad. Bloop. I don't say that. Oh, look at Matt and Mary. They tithe. No, we're just honoring God with the money that he's given us. Now, watch what happened. She puts it in there, turns around. All of a sudden, I see these little gears running in her head. She's six. His gears. Why do we give God money? Hello, opportunity. I said, Emma. I said, God has given us so much. It's just our way that the Bible says that we can give back to Him. And I said, we help other people. We give to our church. We do what we can with our money because He's given it to us. Now she's six. She responded like this. Oh, Okay. But it's going to be one of those things she's going to ask again, and I'm going to tell her the same thing. She's going to ask, I'm telling her the same thing. 
She's going to ask again later. I'm going to tell me the same thing. That's the same girl that's going to come up to me one day and say, Dad, I'm really having a problem with this river in my life. How many parents have heard this? Have you ever had anything like this happen in your life and how did you get over it? That's your opportunity. Emma, when I was about your age, there was this time that metaphorically God came and He just moved the water back and He let me go across. So we got to trust Him. And I'll step back. Sometimes you may come back to me she may be sad. She goes, Dad, my feet are wet. I said, did you take your eyes off who you're supposed to not take your eyes off of? Maybe. And we go back up for that river again. That's what we desire to do. The first time that we go through a challenge and God helps us, it builds our confidence. It's like jumping off the low dive. Everybody can do that. Probably. You know, it's like three foot off the water. Some of you, some of you don't like being three feet off the ground. And some of us like being 300 feet off the ground. But it's like, it's like going off, off the three-foot diving board. Whew. All right. Let's go to the five-foot one. We'll go to the five-foot one. Metaphorically, with our faith, God says, I want you to jump off now. Climb a little bit higher. Some of us are sitting at points that are huge in our life right now. It's not a five-foot. It's not a seven. Sometimes in our life, metaphorically, we think it's like 200. And the pool that you're jumping into is about the size of a cup of water. That's what we think. Because okay, we like to tell ourselves, God, this is not possible. God, this is not possible. I like this because we tell God this is not possible. He goes, oh, have you read Joshua chapter 3? Tell me it's impossible. I'm the creator of this universe. This is, this is my garden. Nothing's impossible. If you have your worship hand out, number 3, it says, it provides an opportunity for God to build your faith. Always climb the next rung. Listen, there's times that I've, that I've felt really good about myself. Man, I'm trusting God. I'm trusting God. And I got to maybe that fourth or fifth step. And I just completely missed the sixth one. And I land on my bottom on the ground. God, I took my eyes off of that, of you. <laughs> it's an opportunity for God to build your faith. Look again at Joshua 4.24. He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful and so you might fear the Lord your God forever. There will be a time, and there have been times where people have asked. They've asked this question. How in the world does connection do what it does? Why are you being magnetic? Why do you serve popcorn? Why do you serve water? Why do you do these things? Why do you give gas away? Why do you do this? It's an opportunity to be relevant and to connect with people and for us to share our stories with those people, and say, I remember where and when I was, and that's where you are right now. I remember that river that I walked up to. See, this is the type of thing that we see. This is the type of thing. When people ask, how in the world does connection do what it does? Because this, from the beginning we have sought to do exactly what Matt Griswold wants to do. Mike Davis wants to do. No. From the very beginning and the inception, I wasn't even here when it started. From the very inception of the first Bible study, they said, the group of people that met said, we are going to do what God wants us to do, and even if it's different, we're going to do it. That's what they did. They, they, we haven't taken our eyes off. We can't. That's not our job. That's not what we do. We as a church, as a group of followers, connect with God first and then other people. 
Why in that order? Because God says, let me love you so you can trust me, and then you take the love that I give you, and you give it over here. It's infectious. I don't think so. At the gasoline giveaway, (laughs) smiling was infectious. And it was 40 degrees with like 20 miles an hour winds. And we were laughing. Some of us were laughing at how cold we were. But we were laughing because we had to help people. So we thought, man, you give gas away and there's opportunities to do that? How about this? This coming Saturday, there's going to be another one. We're going to do it again. No, we're not going to give away gas. And no, I'm not going to tell you what we're going to give away because you'll post it on social media and everybody and their brother will find out. But if you want to help with that, you can talk to Ken Jane after church. I want to be involved in something like this. Many of us have shared stories about our lives with others in this church. Some of the stories that we've shared are happy, some are sad. Some have pain, some have tears. But through all of them, God is working and transforming this group of people to be able to trust Him more. He is. I can, see, you could call me on this, and I would say, okay, how about this? Here's the phone number. Call this person. Call this person and ask him. Call this person and ask him how they were six months ago. Talk to him today. I'd probably start with giving you my number. Hearing these stories, I'm reminded of the last blank in your worship handout. It provides an opportunity for you to show others how awesome our God truly is. I just like the word awesome. It's not, it's not scriptural, not biblical, but I like awesome. It is biblical. God is awesome. It provides an opportunity for you to show others how awesome God is. That's external. That's not internal. That's you going beside somebody, putting your arm around them and saying, listen, I understand the river that you're at. I know what's on the other side. I don't know specifically how you're going to get there, but I know that you can keep your eyes on God and you're going to get over there. He doesn't say turn around. Peter didn't say he said turn around. He said he's going to meet us on the other side. I want to ask you a question. When is the last time? When is the last time that you just thanked God for Him being awesome? See, this is important. It's important that we, that we understand what He looks like, that what He looks like in our life. We thank Him. This morning, after Emma left me, before church even started, I just said, God, thank you so much for that opportunity to talk to my daughter about why we do something. For being in total control. When's the last time you when's the last time you thank God for being in control? See? Not often because we like to have the remote control. I want to watch what I want to watch. I want to do what I want to do. I want to buy what I want to buy. For taking care of you, for taking care of your family. God's word says in all things we should give thanks. We don't see this emotion, but oftentimes. On the other side, we see it. But God says we should come up to that river with joy. That's the last thing that comes to my mind if I'm in the bottoms trying to get to my hunting ground and I find water. It's not joy. It's bring it the GPS. How do I get around this? God says when you come up to the river with joy, that's on purpose because you're going to get to see what I do. You're going to grow from going across this water. You're going to grow from going across this river. 
Does the water ever get too deep for God? No. Does the current ever get too swift for God? No. God just wants us to trust Him. Some people that are sitting in this room right now know specifically what I'm talking about. There are challenges in this life that we're facing. Loss of job, family problems, there's pain, there's death. Whatever river that you're staring at, remember. I don't care how deep it is. I don't care how swift the water is. I don't care what color the water is. My God walks on top of the water. (laughs) I don't care how deep the water is. I don't care how swift the water is. My God walks on top of the water. Or He just moves it. And He offers the comfort to you to get through it. He offers comfort. He's here. You can trust Him. Let's pray. God, we thank You so much for today. We thank You, God, for just the opportunity to look at this unbelievable, unbelievable story and book. God, I ask as these these people, myself, go out into a world today that God doesn't want to have anything to do with you. And we face these trials and these rivers and these oceans and these seas and these big things in front of us. God, I just ask one thing, that you challenge us to just trust you this week. With everything that we have, just trust you. God, you take care of your kids. And if you don't want to move the water, you comfort us. Sometimes you just want us to keep our eyes on you and just walk us across. God, we thank you for giving us your son who we can believe in that came to take away all that stuff. In your name we pray. Amen.